This week's podcast is brought to you in part by eMusic.com. Get 35 free MP3 downloads and a free 7-day subscription to eMusic.com by clicking on the eMusic.com link at whatdotheysaid.blogspot.com. Please? Hey, this is Alicia Witt, and you're listening to What Do They Said About Music. Down the street says, Why am I soft in the middle now? Why am I soft in the middle? The rest of my life is so hard. I want a photo opportunity, I want a shot at redemption. Don't want to end up a cartoon in a cartoon graveyard. Bone digger, bone digger, dogs in the moonlight. Far away from my well lit Mr. Beer Belly, Beer Belly, get these mutts away from me, you know. Find the stuff I'm using anymore. If you'll be my bodyguard, I can be your long lost pal. I can call you Betty, and Betty, when you call me, you can call me out. Man walks down the street, says, Why am I short of attention? Got a short little span of attention, and oh, my nights are so long. Where's my wife and family? What if I die here? Who'll be my role model now that my role model's gone, gone? It knocked back down the alleys. Roly poly little bat faced girl. All alone, there were incidents and accidents, there were hints and allegations. If you'll be my bodyguard, I can. When you call me, you can call me out. You can call me
say. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of What Duvet Said About Music. I am your guest host this week, Jason Duplissy. You are listening to the official podcast of What Duvet Said, found at whatduvetsaid.blogspot.com. You may have recognized that song we played at the top of the show, but you might not have recognized the version well. We are joined in studio to talk with the mastermind of this masterpiece. I couldn't be more pleased to be dedicating our entire show this week to the music, humor, and words of singer, composer, actress, and astounding piano player. Welcome, Alicia Witt. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I guess, you know, after hearing that, we played uh, your cover version of You Can Call Me Out at the beginning here just to set the mood. So my first question has to be, can I call you out? You can actually call me Al, and I have a few friends who do. Why, why <laughs> choose that song, by the way, anyway? Um, well, I've always loved that song. I have always been struck by how incredibly complex and dark those words to the verse are, and actually the entire song. But, um, you know, he wrote it in apartheid South Africa during a time in his life, Paul Simon, um, when he was very mixed up about a lot of things and trying to find salvation and having relationship drama and just sorting through his life. So that whole album, Graceland, is incredibly deep. And whenever I would sing along to that song, I realized that nobody else I knew knew the words <laughs> to the verse. They all thought it was just some happy, ridiculous ditty about who knows what. <laughs> and you take the song and you actually, you're playing it in a minor or in a seventh, or you've, you're not actually playing the music that we're all familiar with with the song, <laughs> right? I mean, what are you doing with it? Well, I sing the melody. I haven't really changed the melody much, except with a little variation here or there. Um, but I've completely messed up the chords. The bass is entirely different. The bass is the only thing that really remains constant throughout the song, though. It's a specific pattern that I'm doing. But the chords are really dissonant, and there's some, some very strange counterpoint going on in the right hand. Yeah. Very chromatic, and there's a lot of sevenths and minor sevenths, and major fifths and just chords that shouldn't be over what's in the bass. Yeah, exactly. I, and I was trying to bring to it music that I thought made you listen to the words of it. And I love playing, playing it live because usually people have no idea what song that is until I get to the chorus. I think that's what uh, marks a really great cover song is it's something that's familiar to everybody and yet it's, it comes across as something new that they've never heard before. Mm. And I think what's, what works really well about your version of it, You Can Call Me Al, is because you have all this craziness going on, and then when you actually reach the point where you sing Amen, Hallelujah, then it resolves to the familiar that we've heard before. That's and it, right. Yeah, and it really strikes. It's like, wow, yeah, I heard this for a great time. It's like he found salvation at the end. Exactly. Thank you so much for listening to it so closely. I really appreciate it. Oh, I've been paying attention to all of your music. <laughs> I guess I would also be remiss if I didn't point out to our listeners who haven't thought of this before, but you're actually a consistent and consistently working actress out and about in the Hollywood. Yes. Uh, I went and saw a film called The Upside of Anger. Yes. And I remember specifically during the film putting a little bookmark in my head and going, I have to remember the name of this character so I can watch the end credits so I can see who this actress is so I can remember. Oh. 
at the end. And I went, oh, and then I went, Alicia Witt at, in the credits. And I went, I know that name, probably because I saw it in the opening credits. But additionally, I went, <laughs> I, and I went home and I realized that I had done it before. It wasn't the first time that I had done that, that I'd actually sat through a, a performance and went, who is that? Oh, it's Alicia Witt. And it wasn't until I sat and went through a bunch of things and I went, oh my God, that's the same actress that I enjoyed so much on The Sopranos. It's the same actress that was great on Mr. Holland's Opus. It's the same actress from Twin Peaks, right? <laughs> And uh, my point is not that you're not memorable, <laughs> that I don't sit and, and remember you from role to role, but I think you're yeah. so invested in the role that you're doing that I forget about the other roles. I really appreciate that. That's a great compliment. For me, I love just being as different as I can from role to role, and nothing bores me more than when I get offered a role that's exactly like the role I just played. I, I really appreciate you saying that because... It's, it was always very important to me, and especially starting out, like, the first 10 years of my career, without fail, any time I played a role and it came out, I would then get offered nothing but that role. And you have to turn down a lot of work to avoid getting typecast. And I feel like at this point, I've maybe managed to do that to a certain point. Uh, I bring up Twin Peaks specifically <laughs> because you play the piano in your scene in Twin Peaks. You actually yes. have a whole scene where you're performing and you're considerably young. I think just by looking at you now and when Twin Peaks aired, I'm going to believe you shot that probably 10 years before you were born. <laughs> yes, actually. Okay. Okay. Thank you very yeah. much. I thought that might be the case. <laughs> but y you're, you play a whole piece in the scene. So you've been playing the piano since, how, how long have you been playing the piano? I started when I was seven, which was actually the same year I started acting. Um, I started taking piano lessons and that same year I started competing. I loved piano and I was playing classical music very seriously for seven years. So what I competed. What does that mean, competing? What were you competing? Um, there are all these piano competitions. Um, did you ever see the movie The Competition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right. that's, this is like, prep for that but it starts there are kids as young as five that are competing but yeah I started playing when I was seven and I knew by the time I was 12 or 13 that I didn't want to go to Juilliard and didn't want that life mm -hmm. so I started begging my parents to let me come out to LA from the time I was about 11 because I wanted to be an actor uh -huh. but when I came out here when I was 14 which was my first long chunk of time my mother got back in touch with David Lynch, who I'd worked with in Dune, and he wrote that part on Twin Peaks for me. So oh. that's why I was playing piano in it. Oh, how great. <laughs> and did, you, did he choose the piece for you, or did you choose the piece because you knew it, or how did that work out? He wanted me to play Get Happy, which is the song that Leland Palmer is singing, and it's the episode where his hair turns white because he's realized that he was Killer Bob. Yeah. Spoiler so, alert. Yes, yeah, spoiler alert. If you're <laughs> 20 years late and you haven't seen the season premiere of, of season two of Twin Peaks, um, I played Mendelssohn's Rondo Capriccioso, and that was just David saying, play some classical piece, and I played him a few samples, and he picked that one. And then I think I'd been sitting around the set just entertaining people, and he heard me playing the Boogie Woogie. Mm -hmm. Pine Tops Boogie Woogie yes. at the end that, that I ended up playing at the end and he just asked me to play it and put it over the end credits oh how fun and I, what I love about acting and about being a songwriter and even when I came out to LA and I was supporting myself as a lounge pianist mm -hmm. 
that was fun because I got to grow my repertoire and play what people wanted to hear and have fun, but also dream and and think about the roles I wanted to play or even use music as a way of expressing myself secretly. Well, yeah, well, that's like, it. <laughs> when we get into that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, classical music is great, but also even my own songs or anyone's songs. I can write a song about someone specific that I'm in love with or that I'm angry with or that I've just broken up with. And a year later when I play that song, I'm singing it about someone else entirely. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you started talking about writing your own music. So when did you start pursuing that uh, on your own? When did you decide to make the shift from being a lounge singer? Or did you even think of having a shift from being a lounge singer to becoming Alicia Witt songstress? It's always been a dream of mine to play my own songs and have people come listen. I just didn't really have any songs. <laughs> I have always dabbled in writing, but I wasn't prolific. I would write one song maybe every few months, if that. I went through years where I didn't write, which is astonishing to me now because I write all the time. But there was a period of time when I think I got burned out on the music because I had been doing it for so long. I mean, but, but having said that, it was the best day job I could possibly have asked for. It was such an incredible blessing to be a struggling young actor auditioning three times a day for everything that came along and then having a job to go to at night where I got to sit down and play music for four or five hours and instead of waiting tables that was my that was my rent money but after I I finished with that and I started making my living exclusively as an actor I still wanted very much to make music and I didn't start writing in earnest until it was a, about exactly four years ago. A very long relationship had ended. And uh, the day that he finished moving out and we had said goodbye and I realized I wasn't sad, I was just relieved. It had run its course, you know? And I knew that I was supposed to feel sad. I was supposed to be telling him I'd had a change of heart and please come back and I've, I've made a horrible mistake but I didn't feel any of that I just felt free and I knew that it was the beginning of the next phase and that it was exactly where I was supposed to be and that evening I wrote the lyrics to blind oh. um, and that was the beginning of writing in earnest from that point on songs just started pouring out of me and I had my best friend, my BFF, over one night, and we'd had dinner, and I told her how much music I'd been writing. And she was the first to hear a lot of these songs, and I played a few of them for her, and was kind of thinking they were whatever. And she said, you really should try and do this somewhere other than in your living room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People should hear this, and at least, at least go for it because she knew that was a dream of mine I said really you think I could and that was the first I really started thinking not just that this would be a dream that would never come true but that 
I could really do this. And as if by magic, but really it's just the way that life works, I started meeting musicians everywhere I went. They Suddenly this city, LA, where I've lived for most of my life now, became a city where I knew tons of musicians. And then a few months after that, I moved to New York for six months to work on Law and & Order. And literally the day I got there, I started meeting people. Chris Noth, who was my co-star on that show, probably know him best as Mr. Big. Uh, well, perhaps our <laughs> listeners know him best as that. I've heard he plays that character. Yes, but Chris said, you've got to come out on Monday nights. We have this blues jam at the Cutting Room, which was a place that he co-owned. Uh-huh. And uh, I, he, I hadn't even told him I was a singer or that I wanted to sing. At this point, I'd still never performed out. But on my birthday in 2007, in August, I... As it turned my birthday, I was standing up before the audience with the band supporting me singing Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Nice. And that night, I met two people who happened to be in the audience who ended up being very influential in that early part of my songwriting career. And um, it's just taken... It's been a day-by-day process since then. And I can't imagine what I did with my life before I was writing songs and getting to play them in front of people. Wonderful. Wonderful story. <laughs> we love that. Uh, and you mentioned Blind. So if this is, this is the first song you wrote? The words. The words are the first, pretty much the first song that I wrote of this period. I have some songs that I wrote before that, but they don't really count. <laughs> <laughs> we also don't have a recording um, of them. So, <laughs> But interestingly, the music, remember I, I just mentioned the guy, one of the guys that I met, Jeff yeah. Fiorello, yeah, yeah. Um, that night at the cutting room, he ended up writing the music to Blind. Blind was one of those songs that I have from time to time where I write the lyrics mm-hmm. and I try to come up with the music on the piano and I know it's not right. And I know it's not meant for me to write the music. Oh, how interesting. And Jeff is an amazing guitar player, but he's completely untrained, the opposite of me. Yeah, yeah, he plays yeah. by ear and makes up the most awesome chords and the simplicity of it, is, it was perfect for Blind. So I showed him the lyrics and he wrote the music almost immediately. You keep waiting for me to come to my senses Waiting for the other shoe to fall How can I walk, walk away from what we had Never, never happened at all
lovely. You know, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I notice about that, though? There's banjo at the end of this song, right? There is. So we're, I mean, I don't hear many pop music songs with banjo playing in <laughs> You know, um, I have to be honest, that is the producer, Matt Beckley. Mm -hmm. He put that on. I thought that was a brilliant touch. You want to know who's playing the banjo? I do want to know who's playing the banjo. It's the actor Bill Moomy. Oh, really? <laughs> From Lost in Space? Yes! Hey! <laughs> He's an old family friend of Matt Beckley's. Nice. And, uh, yeah, that's a cool, um, it's funny you asked. That's yeah, Bill cool. came into the studio. Matt wanted to throw a little banjo on blind. And uh, Bill sat down and laid some banjo. Fantastic. Well, there you go. That's a, a What Duvet Said exclusive. <laughs> um, you're, you're classically trained. You started when you are seven years old. And when I, you say you had piano lessons. Does that mean somebody, you know, my sister had piano lessons. And some old lady came to the house and she played Alley Cat on the <laughs> piano. But if you're saying you started competition, where were you getting these piano lessons? If you, were you at a Juilliard prep school or how were you being trained? No, I had a teacher who was local. I grew up in Worcester, Massachusetts. Okay. And my parents found, my mom found this teacher who lived in Worcester and she had many students. Yeah, I just went, I started out once a week and then I really took to it and started going twice a week. I practiced every day for, at that age, probably an hour or two and absolutely loved it and I advanced really fast. And then we started going to Cambridge after a few years. Uh, do you think your music's too smart for people? I, this is why I like working with people sometimes who are just really simple musically and I I want I, I love pop music I love the Kings of Leon and uh, the Fray and Pink and to me those are all examples of artists whose music is somewhat complex the lyrics are really amazing and there are some funky chords, but it's also very hummable, and right. that's what I'm, what I'm aspiring to do. Uh, Sarah Bareilles is another example of someone who's got great production on her music, but the melodies do stick in your head. Mm -hmm. But if you actually listen to the lyrics, they're really complicated. So I'm, I'd like to do a combination of those. I mean. Blind can be played very simply with just a guitar and vocals, mm -hmm. and I've done that before at shows. And You Can Call Me Al is probably the most obtuse thing I've done, and I, I love that. And I know it's one of those songs that people are either going to really dig or really not get at all. Right. And I've had probably 60% people dig it and 40% of people at shows like, I did, I'm sorry, but I did not get You Can Call Me Al. Interesting. And I'm fine with that. I love that. Whereas some other songs that I have are much more straightforward. There's a lot, by the way, that I've not recorded yet. I'm working on my next album right now, but I have, I've literally got 30 songs right now that are ready to go. And it's just a matter of picking which ones I'm recording. I, yeah, I like a combination of, of simple and unusual mixed together. You say you're writing a lot and you have 30 songs. How, how does the writing process work for you? I mean, if you're out on a on a shoot or if you're just sitting at home, uh, what, how is it that you're so prolific? Well, when I started writing uh, on a regular basis, it got to the point where 
I was constantly writing lyrics and it was hard for me to stop writing. I mean, I'll write lyrics in the bathroom of a restaurant if I'm having dinner with someone and an idea hits me. I'm always writing and always thinking about ideas and some of them turn into songs and many of them don't, obviously. Mm. I'm also part of this songwriting circle which is a lot of fun. I got invited to be part of it in February of this year, I think. And the way that works is you're supposed to write a song every week. There's an email list of songwriters across the country and there's even a few in, in England. It's constantly changing and shifting and growing and shrinking. It's run by Bob Schneider, who I think is one of the most incredible musicians I've ever met. He's ridiculously prolific and he's worth listening to I mean he's just if if your listeners haven't heard him he's so eclectic and so brilliant and ha really finds that balance I think between like how is he doing a salsa and a hip-hop track and a love ballad and a power pop song on the same album but anyway Bob asked me to be a part of this group that he is the the ringleader of and we email everyone in the group our song every week he tells us what the phrase or word is going to be that we have to include in the lyrics that's oh, the only okay. stipulation so each of us for that week has to include that phrase or word and if we skip two weeks without writing a song we're kicked out of the group whoa so that is incentive to stay in the group because there's some pretty great songwriters in there and it's great inspiration and uh, it's a great honor to be in their company. Yeah, because I'm doing the math. Let's see, if you started this songwriting circle in February and <laughs> you write a song a week, I think that's that's about 4,000 songs you should have by now, right? <laughs> Just about. I mean, the great thing about the songwriting circle is that obviously there are some turkeys in there <laughs> right and and not just my turkeys everyone including the most ex established successful songwriters in the group everyone turns in something that's just a turd from now and from <laughs> time to time and that's actually incredibly inspiring too because mm -hmm. it just keeps you going and it's a really freeing thing to know that the goal is to finish it you may end up with a song that you're going to play at every gig from that point on, or you could end up with a song that you'll never use. But the discipline of finishing it and being proud of it on some level for being finished is great. You could use part of it in another song at some point. Right. But, yeah, it keeps you going, and it keeps you from sitting back and just focusing on the songs that you have. Is it music and lyrics? Do you have to have a completed song recorded to yes. send into it at the end of the week? Yes. Wow. But if someone's on tour, or in my case, on a set, it doesn't have to be perfect, which is difficult because some of the songwriters are geniuses at Pro Tools and Logic. So mm -hmm. they, they turn in these fully produced songs. And then other people just pull out their iPhone and do a little voice memo in the back of the tour bus with their guitar. Yeah, but it's you, always complete. You can't really lug around an 88 key piano with you <laughs> wherever you go, right? No. The last movie I filmed was a few weeks ago in New Orleans. And I knew that I had to write a song because it had been two weeks. I didn't write one the week before. Mm -hmm. So that was my cutoff. 
and luckily I had a few days off and there was this piano bar down the street from the hotel I was staying in and I went over and luckily there was someone delivering linens so I walked in found someone sitting at a table in the manager's office and asked if they wouldn't mind if I played the piano a little so I wrote the song over there I'd already written most of the lyrics and I wrote the music then I brought my computer back the next day threw down the piano part in GarageBand mm -hmm. with no external mic. It was just really vibrating and rough, but you could <laughs> tell what I was playing. And then later that night, because I had an all-night shoot, um, I had about 45 minutes of downtime in my trailer, and I opened up the track and recorded the vocals just with the computer's internal mic right there in my trailer. So it's really guerrilla songwriting. Yeah, it really is. Well, it is a special edition of What Duvet Said About Music, so we need to talk about our sponsor, eMusic.com, what Rolling Stone magazine calls the iTunes music store's cheaper, cooler cousin. Do you know eMusic at all, Alicia? I am not that familiar with them. Well, let me tell you about them. Please. I know you got this podcast of iTunes. We all have iTunes. But why not look into eMusic.com, where they have over 7 million songs that you can play on any MP3 player. That's right. They are DRM-free, so you don't have to worry about that pesky problem of transferring music from one iPod or music player to another. Take it from me, a single guy who can't seem to continue a dating relationship for longer than a few weeks. It's a lot easier on me to not have that iTunes proprietary restriction on music when I'm sharing music with someone who's not going to be around for much longer. <laughs> uh, head on over to our site at whatduvaysaid.blogspot.com to start your free trial. You get to try out emusic.com for seven days at no cost and get 25 free mp3s wait what way what, what's that what's that why if you go there today by clicking on the link at what do they said.blogspot.com you get 35 free downloads 35 free downloads and if you choose to continue after your free trial songs are available for just 50 cents or less do it now or do it when you're done listening to alicia witt cd but do do it what do they said.blogspot.com and click on the link on the upper left-hand side for emusic.com. I am very impressed. Yeah, so you'll go do that, won't you? For sure, I, I will. I thought you might. Um, let's talk a little bit about your lyrics then, shall we? Absolutely, um, thank you. Uh, you you introduce, I've seen you play several times now, and lots of times I hear you introduce a song as a fucked up love song. <laughs> it seems like a lot of your songs are fucked up love songs. <laughs> uh, you know, some of your songs, uh, they sound kind of miserable. You're talking about uh, living on empty, you're in a lonely hotel room, you're, things are darkest during the day, uh, I'm falling for you, I'm all in to lose, uh, I'm just going to wait this out. Um, here's Alicia Witt, live, singing about me.
Not necessarily a fucked up love song. That's not a love song. No, not <laughs> it's definitely at all. not a love song. That's um, that's a song about a situation where you just suddenly realize the guy wasn't worth it. I remember when I wrote that song. It was this guy um, that I was really crazy about, but I kind of knew the whole time it wasn't going to work. It was a short-lived romance, but he was always busy. He was always saying he didn't have much time and he took himself very seriously and I realized after we'd broken up that he constantly talked about himself and I would start to tell him something about me and it would suddenly turn into about him again mm-hmm. and I think we've all been there guys and girls there are just those people in our lives that take and take and take and take and are completely unaware of it. He, he was not a bad guy by any means. Um, but I just got sick of it and really angry and angry at the thought that he was still emailing me to say he missed me and that, uh, and that he was tortured and fucked up over the fact that we couldn't be together. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. Right. Go live your own life. Right. You disgust me. So (laughs) that's what I wrote that song about. And I, I often introduce that one as a girl power anthem because I think it's specifically about that feeling as a woman of having been put aside by a guy that you really gave and gave and gave to. And then suddenly waking up and realizing how much of yourself you allowed to be squashed in that endeavor. So we heard the About Me, that's what we just listened to, and that's not on your CD. Right? No. That people can get where? It's available on iTunes, and you can go to my MySpace to listen to them and buy them as well, which is myspace.com slash Music. Right, you are all over the internet, aren't you? You are, you are Miss Active Internet. I try to be. I love 
Twitter because I can actually interact with people that way. It's an easy way to to get messages and respond, and I try to respond on my Twitter. Um, I have a website as well, which I'm trying to be better at updating. I, I actually wrote all this down because I wanted to make sure I got all of it. You have a MySpace page, you have a Facebook page, you have your Twitter feed, and you have your blog at aliciawitmusic.com. Yes. And that's a lot, right? <laughs> I guess it's pretty standard these days. I mean, I think it's a lot. I'd be happy with just having the Twitter and announcing when I have shows and stuff, but you need to have it all written down. Well, and people need you're... to be able to get to your music too. For example, I uh, I know I can get your 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 four song EP called Alicia Witt at iTunes Music Store. I can search by Alicia Witt and find it there and purchase it. Personally, I went and bought it at iTunes because I like having the high quality version as opposed to the lower quality versions that you're hearing on this podcast and you hear on the MySpace page. So please, everybody, I encourage you. It's so much better in living stereo. This is a mono podcast here. <laughs> so much better in gorgeous living stereo. Just go to iTunes and get Alicia's music. So how did you choose what songs to include on the CD and which not? Well, part of that is is discussed with the producer that you're working with, and this EP was produced entirely by Matt Beckley. Mm. So it was, I mean, he had heard a ton of my songs that I had at that point, and these were the ones that he felt were the strongest. So that's how they ended up on the EP. We had started recording several of them. And in fact, he and I had originally intended to do an entire album and he's just incredibly busy. He's he's working on the new Low album at the moment. Oh, okay. He's producing the next one. And he's working with Neon Hitch and 303 and he's just basically incredibly busy. So between his schedule and my acting schedule which takes me all over the place for jobs we figured we might as well just do four and make it actually happen because I'm afraid if we hadn't done that we'd still be waiting to release it right that reminds me actually since you are all over the country um, you say that you musicians come to you and you're able to play with them <laughs> but let's say you're in New Orleans and you want to play a show while you're filming there how do you do musicians just show up and say yes I will play banjo for your performance here how does that work <laughs> It depends on the venue and the show. I played at the House of Blues Foundation Room in New Orleans and just did an acoustic show, just me and the keyboard. And they were able to arrange the keyboard. and So that was fun. I love playing just acoustic shows as well. But, for example, in New York, I play in New York quite frequently, and I have a whole other band out there. And when they're unavailable, there's people that I know that I can call. Uh, my co-host, Rob, who works on the show with me, he noticed when you were in New York that you were playing at Joe's Pub, and he went, oh, I noticed that. And I was like, oh, did you go see? And he's like, ah, I had to do this and do that, and blah, hmm. blah, blah. Oh, that's a bummer. I, I know. Like to have met him. Well, what should happen, since he's up in San Francisco, and uh, most of our listeners are up in San Francisco, is that you should play in San Francisco. Absolutely. I, San Francisco is one of my favorite cities in the entire world. Mm -hmm. I love it. I dream of living there one day. That reminds me, where are you playing? Are you playing anywhere new? Do you have any dates to announce? I do. I'm playing, this won't be much help to your San Francisco listeners, but I'm playing in Denver. I'm very honored to be part of Pinktober, which is a, a month-long series that Hard Rock puts on across the country to benefit the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Oh, okay. And radio station KOSI in Denver has invited me to come up and uh, in in conjunction with Hard Rock, 
they're bringing me on my band up to Denver for the day. I'm going to be doing a special in-studio performance in the morning on October 15th. Wow. Which, if you care to, you can hear online. I know they have a live web stream. In a remarkable coincidence, I have the website right here. It's <laughs> www.kosi101.com. Uh, and all of our listeners can tune in and listen to you playing live on... On October 15th at 10 a.m. Mountain time? Mountain time. Thank you. I will be in studio with my band, rocking it out. And then later that night, if you happen to be in Denver, I will be performing at the Hard Rock Cafe. What song are you going to be playing? Do you know? Or is that secret? I, I think it will be like three or four songs, oh, I think. I'm definitely going to be playing anyway because that's Your what, big hit um, single. Yeah, well, it's, it's, I'm very proud of it. Thank you. You've got the, getting back to being an actress and a musician, you had an appearance on the Craig Ferguson show earlier this year mm -hmm. where you showed up as an actress and then you talked about your music and he said, oh, we'll have you back as a musician. Yes. And then he brought you back again and you performed as a musician. Just a few months ago. Yeah, which people can see on your website, aliciawitmusic.com. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Do you find that you have to book yourself as an actress or as a musician? You can't show up as Alicia Witt? Well, on the late night shows, it's a different slot. Oh, right. I mean, on Craig Ferguson and on all of the late night shows, they have a musical guest. And the format is they have the actors or whoever it is they're interviewing. And then the last guest to appear will be the musical guest. They're not usually interviewed. And on the Craig Ferguson show, interestingly, they don't have a large enough stage to have the host, Craig, be on the stage at the same time. Oh, I so think they, I heard that, actually. I think I knew that. Yeah, they tape the music before the show is taped. Huh. And not only that, but they put the musical guest in at a later date. So you're not actually part of that show that's about to air that day or about to be taped that day because they don't have a musical guest on every show so they wait to see which shows are running short and where his monologues weren't as long and they kind of fit it in that way so it's it was interesting though because i'd done the show several times before and it actually wasn't nerve-wracking it was the first time i've played on any show like that as a musician and I was pretty nervous. I mean, definitely when I first sat down, but to play it and to see the whole audience in there, and especially because it wasn't set up for the show yet, it sort of just felt like doing a regular performance. Uh -huh. I just kind of removed from my head the knowledge that millions of people would see it. <laughs> <laughs> but as you said, it's a dream come true for you to sit and perform your own music in front of people, you know? It is a dream come true. I... Sometimes I wake up and I still remember it when I wake up. Like, really? I have a gig tonight? How did that happen? <laughs> I mean, it's, I can't, I've belabored the point, but it's, it makes me very happy. And it fills every part of my life with completeness, including my acting work. It just, there's always a tune going in my head at all times. And not only tunes, but the knowledge that I will get to play them in front of people. Well, uh, how about you, dear listener, become a part of Alicia Witt's dream right now. We're going to listen to the big hit single. I'm bruised again, I wear it well, the self-inflicted. 
Did till they tell I singed my hair I broke my nails You'd love me then If all else failed The night was long and dark And just another dagger to my trust I thrust it in until I bleed I wiped my point for you to see Amazing song. It starts quietly, it builds to excitement, it's rocking, and it's got a great video too, right? Thank you, yes. Um, my first music video. Oh. <laughs> Where can we see the video? Um, well, it actually was running on MTVU.com for a week. It was part of a series called The Freshman, 
where they showcase five first videos from various artists mm -hmm. and you vote on which one goes into regular rotation. I came in a very strong second place. Ah, yes. We're still waiting to see if it's going to go into rotation anyway, which it may. But it's also airing on VH1.com, and you can see it on YouTube and on my website. Fantastic. Well, everybody go check that out. We'll probably put a link on our blog as well, whatduvaysaid.blogspot.com, uh, so you can check it out there. It's a great video. It's well-produced, and uh, the song's great, too, as you just heard. What happens next for you, then? I know you're playing in Denver, but let's say you could architect your fantastic life from here on out, which obviously you can, <laughs> as you sing about in one of your songs. I don't remember which song it is, but you talk about uh, if, you, if you want something... If you want something done, what are you do waiting yourself? for? Exactly. Yeah. See, I pay attention. You really do. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I mean, what is? are you living the exact life you want to be living right now and nothing could be better if you could just continue doing it from here on out? Or is there something that... Well, I am certainly spending every day in the pursuit of doing what I love I can say that I if I could look at the next year of my life and what I want to do with it I would love to go on tour that's something I haven't done yet and I would really love to perhaps opening for someone or or definitely going on a small tour on my own I think I could do that mm -hmm. but that's a dream and just to be able to play in in places that are are more diverse i want to go to london and do a show it's mind-blowingly amazing to me that i hear from people in in very diverse cities through my twitter and have people asking me to play shows in their cities it's definitely exciting and every single day in my life something happens that makes me ridiculously happy and <laughs> well i can't wait for the new cd i will be right there i'll be lining up to get it thank you i love the current ep so much i have two copies of it i have the downloads that i got from itunes and i have the actual physical cd because i just need the actual cd that's that's kind of my thing three of the songs we heard today blind alicia's amazing cover of you can call me al and the big hit single with a bullet anyway these are all available on alicia witt's four song ep simply titled Alicia Witt, which you can get on iTunes or purchase by visiting myspace.com forward slash Alicia Witt Music. Again, I must reiterate, you are doing yourself a disservice by simply listening to them in this mono 56K podcast. Go get them right now in full glorious living stereo to have for your own. Head on over to AliciaWittMusic.com to find links to Alicia's MySpace, Facebook, and Twitter feed. Follow her on Twitter for the most up-to-date information on her live appearances in a town near you. I never miss the opportunity to come see you play live. You always put on an amazing show, and it is just a joy for me to see you. You are a master musician with such a command of your instruments. That's plural, instruments with an S, because not only... Uh, is it your incomparable piano playing, but also your singing voice? It's really, it's really a great evening of entertainment, and I, I always look forward to it. That means the world to me, Jason. Thank you so much. You're I welcome. really appreciate that. You're welcome. That is it for this special edition of What Duvet Said About Music. We will, of course, have links to all of Alicia's online doings on our site at whatduvetsaid.blogspot.com including the video for Anyway and Alicia's live appearance on Craig Ferguson. Bob Duvet will be back next week for another edition of What Duvet Said About Music. And be sure to listen to our official podcast 
where host Rob Selly and I tackle the digest of all things entertainment, including our weekly breakdown of Survivor Nicaragua and the Amazing Race. We'll have more special edition interviews coming down the pike for you. I am so pleased to have spent this hour with you, Alicia. My pleasure. This has been so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you, dear listener, for listening. We will see you next week. Thank you very much. You got it. What did Duvet say? I don't know.